Alright, welcome back to our second episode about espresso. I'm here with my colleague Anders Fetheim. Hello. Uh, we covered a, a couple of topics in the first episode. We talked about green coffee, roasting, pressure, mm. uh, VST filters, and uh, we kind of touched in on grinders as well, but let's just get back into discussing a little bit more about grinders. We were yeah. just talking about, you know, uh, grinders normally being uh, the biggest problem when it comes to not reaching a tasty espresso. Yeah. So changing the burrs, definitely you have to do that. And how, how like in our bar at least, we have a, um, just a spreadsheet. So we, we set the date for every, or we write down the date where every, every time we change the burrs. And normally with our volumes mm. and uh, the type of grinder we have, we have to change them after like six months. Yeah. And you'll see that uh, you have to go finer and finer normally. Definitely. And with uh, like the steel burrs, you'll see that you go gradually finer. If you have happen to have something that's ceramic, it kind of just drops off. Yeah. It just stops working at the point. Yeah. But that's quite rare in, at least in espresso grinders. Yeah. You won't find a lot of ceramic burrs. No, maybe that's the thing. Mm. We never know. So let's talk about type of grinder because um, a lot of people think that we are uh, old-fashioned and strange because we use uh, rubber grinders. Mm. And rubber grinders are uh, conical grinders. Yeah. And uh, my answer to why we are using it is very simple. We've had the same grinder for 12 years. Yeah. It's a three-phase rubber with very big burrs. Yeah. And it just works. It works. It's a workhorse. <laughs> yeah. And the best grinder for me is always the one that works. Yeah. The same with the machine. The best machines that are in the market are the ones that never break. Mm. And um, we, uh, at least in the weekends, we can serve up to 400 guests in five uh, hours efficiently. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure on the grinder. That's one of the things that I tested many, many, many years ago. Uh, I, it was an old Malkernig grinder ca called the K60. Mm. And it was kind of the pre-model pre for the K30 twin, mm. which meant you actually had two grinders inside one body yeah. uh, so that you could have two different coffees. And uh, when I dialed in this grinder in the morning, the coffee would look great because back then we made espresso based on looks. Yep. And uh, it would taste pretty good as well. Mm. And as soon as I had a line out the door, everything changed. I yeah. had to adjust the grinder. The shots looked terrible. It tasted strange. And uh, when I felt the actual grounds, they were like burning hot. They were yeah. really, really hot. So I'm a fan of still having cold grinds. Yeah. And that's also why we have this three-phase rubber. Yeah, because it's had even bigger burst, right? So. Yeah. So, and the RPMs, so it turns around slow, slower, so yeah. it grinds. But because of the big birds, it, it grinds quite fast. Yeah. So I think uh, 20 grams is about four seconds maximum. Probably yeah. a little bit faster Yeah. on the three phase. And then we also have a, we're testing out the new Rober S, mm. which is a single phase grinder, also with conical birds, but they're slightly smaller. So far, it's been quite good because it's easy to open and clean. Mm, really? And we do clean our grinders every day. Yeah, which is important because <laughs> if you don't, I mean, you're, you're dependent on these burrs being able to kind of cut your coffee beans into really small and fine particles. Yeah. And if it's the same if you have a, a knife that's kind of layered with 
old fat and uh, coffee, yeah, you won't it won't be that sharp. No. So clean it. So how often should you clean your grinder? Every day. Every day, because you clean your espresso machine every day. Yeah. Yeah. So in some grinders like the EK, we don't really open it and clean it that often. Uh, you can taste when you need to clean it. Mm. And, and my experience is that when you use, the, uh, for instance, an EK every single day, it's not you know, that uh, important to clean it so often based on taste. Mm. Like just based on whether you can taste rancid coffee oils or not. Yeah. But in terms of grind quality, apparently it's very, very important to clean it very often. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, uh, are we too hung up on grind quality when it comes to brewing? Yeah, well, I see, like, it's not always, uh, we haven't been measuring that much uh, the particle size. So grind quality is, uh, it's kind of two-faced. You know, we, we can, we know that some burrs and grinders have better distribution and more even particle size and so yeah. on. But it's a lot. We don't really know everything. No. Yet. But so in the coffee world, it's kind of looked upon as the more even the grinds, yeah. grinds are, the the better yeah. tasting coffee you get. We see that with, uh, for instance, if you brewing filter, that it's having an EK is not necessarily the best thing no. if you want to brew brew a big size because you have so much fines that clogs up a filter. Yeah. So you can easily get channeling with uh, really good. Uh, Grind quality as well. Yeah, mm. we actually do have a measuring device now. Yeah, uh, it's laying fun. in my office. Mm. We haven't uh, started <laughs> testing it yet, but uh, Löfbergs Lila, which is a, a Swedish company, has developed together with a three temp, three temp mm. uh, the ones who made the hipster brewer. Uh, they have developed a kind of a photo uh, measuring uh, device that measures grind particle size distribution. Mm. And they've had some very interesting results. Uh, and uh, the guy who was here demonstrating it actually said he prefers, you know, coarser grinds mm. uh, because it makes sweeter coffee. You just need to use more coffee, which from a selling point of view is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I agree with him, but uh, we, we know for sure that, you know, grinding too fine uh, also will decrease extraction. Yeah. We see it in espresso and we also see it in filter coffees. Yeah. You can see even though if you have uh, minute-long extractions or like brews, they can sometimes be really low yeah. on extraction. Yeah, and that's just because you have so much like the water is not able to go through the puck, so yeah. it just gets pushed along the side, and then you have a full porta filter or a VST filter. So it, it takes a long time for the water to pass on the sides or through some small channels. And yeah, that you'll kind of over extract one tiny area. Yeah. Under extract everything, so it'll taste really. Ill. So a lot of people ask me which grinder is the best one, and uh, I actually don't have an answer to that. No, uh, I feel that there is no best grinder in the market, mm. but they they fit different needs. Um, for our needs in our coffee shop, so far the Robers have been the best. But yeah. I'm looking into testing some new grinders. Emil Koenig is coming out with a, a grind by weight mm. grinder. The ATS. Yeah, so with bigger burrs, grind by weight. Uh, I cannot uh, use their peak grinder, for instance, in our bar. Mm. We've tried that, but uh, our baristas refuse to use it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just because, you know, in peak hours, it's not stable enough. Yeah. Um, it's great for like competition and, and less volume coffee shops, I think. Yeah. I think they even come with a recommendation that you shouldn't make more than 
couple of shots per minute or yeah. something on it. Two or three shots per minute or something. Yeah. Yeah. So those grinders will work like in low volume and if you know that you're gonna have one customer come in, have one coffee, maybe you're serving food or wine or something else. Yeah. But in like a coffee shop where you have a line at the door every Saturday, that's when your grinder needs to work because that's yeah. when you're making all of your money and then yeah. If you're starting to serve uh, bad coffee or like poorly extracted coffee to a big line of people, those people will talk and then yeah. <laughs> you know they won't come back. I find also like uh, for instance the solution on the Novo Simonelli Mythos grinder with mm. the heating element. Yeah. Uh, for me, at least in my experience, with our customers who use it, they prefer to actually pull that plug and not heat the, yeah. the burr chamber. Uh, just because of consistency mm. and it, it's actually made to make the coffee more consistent and yeah. then it doesn't really, really work that way. So grinders are difficult and th there are many great grinders uh, like uh, the Malkenig Peak is a great grinder, mm. the Mythos is a great grinder, the Robers are great grinders but for its use, it's yeah. not for everyone and uh, that's why it's so difficult to recommend and uh, the reason why we're not using the EK43 uh, in our bar yeah, um, it's because I tried using it on an event yeah. at the Chef's Symposium in Denmark and uh, I promised myself I will never do that ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> impossible to get a good workflow, even with these like Titan uh, like distributors and uh, like uh, do dosing tools and stuff. Yeah. It's so hard to, to get a good workflow. Yeah. But here's some of the things you can do if you have a grinder and you kind of want to improve your extraction by improving your grinder, well, make sure your uh, bean hopper is full. Because mm. when it gets empty, you get this what we call popcorning effect where you get some of the bigger particles falling through and yeah. uh, the shots will decrease in extraction. And, yeah. and, and you can up. tell as well, you'll see that they'll speed up and you need to go finer and finer. Yeah. So, um, so, so at least keep uh, try to keep a consistent level of beans in your hopper. Yeah. Makes life um, a lot easier. Make sure you have, uh, f you know, sharp burrs mm. and have a routine on changing them. But when you change them, make sure you also ex measure extraction. Yeah. So that they actually are you know able that to they work. Yeah, because definitely, sometimes you've you've changed burrs, and if you don't measure, you'll get a phone call right away saying your coffee is. Uh, Something's wrong with the coffee. Yeah, because I have brand new burrs. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, check your uh, the grid that kind of slows down the flow of uh, grounds into mm. your grinding chamber because uh, it might create clumps. You yeah. don't want clumps, especially with lighter roast. You can see that. Um, what else can you improve on the grinder? Well, you need to find kind of your sweet spot. I see with a lot of grinders, you go finer and finer, and then. It, it might appear like you're getting just a few seconds more, but suddenly the extraction just drops. Yeah. And usually that's where it starts to clump. Uh, on all grinders, if you go too fine, you'll see that you'll get clumping yeah. no matter what. Yeah. So usually you need to know where the, the, like the maximum is for your grinder, where it starts dropping again. Yeah. So um, a lot of people just go finer and finer and finer, and then they're actually going down in extraction. Yeah. And I also feel, uh, well, people need to start cleaning their grinders, yeah. hopefully every day. Which isn't hard. No. It doesn't take long. It's when you have a good routine, it takes five minutes. Yeah. And then uh, I think my last recommendation for a grinder is don't save on the grinder. You know, you spend mm. uh, $10,000 on an espresso machine and then you expect yeah. to get a free grinder. You know, for me, 
I would rather spend less money on the espresso machine yeah. and more money on the grinder because it is actually the heart of the, the whole mm. system. And um, I feel that there's so much more you can get quality-wise if you have a good grinder yeah. than if you have a slightly nicer looking espresso machine. Because in yeah. the end, the espresso machines, they deliver pressure and hot water. Yeah, and there's a lot of things you can adjust on an espresso machine. You can work with temperature and pressure and yeah. different group heads and different shower heads. And like, you can play around with a lot of things, but with the grinder, it's it's grind size, yeah. usually. And you can do the grid and you can do burr alignment and stuff like that. but. It, you don't have that big, big playroom as with the espresso machine. Yeah. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And speaking of espresso machines, um, w given that they're consistent, that's the most important part. Yeah. So when you have adjusted the pressure and the temperature, it should give you that pressure and temperature every time. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you go for the cheapest uh, version, uh, maybe that's not the case, but uh, at least if you have a nice espresso machine, you should be able to expect that. But yeah. for instance, if you have a dual boiler machine or a triple boiler machine, which yeah. means one boiler for each group head, uh, setting them to the same temperature might not give you the same temperature out from yeah. each group. So on our um, on our machine, which is a linear PB with, with scale, so it's a PBX, PBX yeah. um, the two group heads will give slightly different outputs on temperature even if they're set to the same temperature. So mm. there's an offset you can put in. Yeah. Uh, and just be aware of that because it might be actually quite a, make a huge difference. And if you're trying to calibrate your grinder and then you're using both group heads, you'll just yeah. stand there and scratch your head because one will be faster than the other. Yeah. Always. Definitely. And I, I've seen this, I've been to the, um, especially to La Masoko, I know that they test with, they have one, one that they test every group with. Yeah. So it should be pretty much the same and they program in an offset. Yeah. But um, if if you want to, you don't want to play around with that offset too much. With a, if you don't have like a good measurement tool. No. So I use a SCASE device and a Fluke thermometer. It's kind of old school, but at least it'll give me an indication of if it's in the ballpark. I'm not concerned if it's 0.1 degree difference. No. But if you know, I set the temperature, brewing temperature on the machine to be 94, and then I see 95 on one group and then 91 on the other, mm. there's something wrong there. Yeah. And I do have uh, experience um, over time that it can change over time. Might be because of scales on the thermometer, or who knows, you mm. know. But uh, it can change. So, but let's talk about the the brewing water temperature because that's also a thing that people ask me: how hot. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's the temperature of your water, and especially when we do manual brewing, yeah. a lot of people ask. But um, also with espresso, uh, there's so many things to think about. Mm. One thing is, you know, shot size. How big is your shots? Yeah. Because if there's more water and it's very high temperature, uh, the puck itself will steal temperature from the water. Mm. But if you have more water, you know, percentage-wise, it will steal less. Yeah. So um, uh, it really depends on your shot, shot size, the roast degree, mm. and your preferred taste, I guess. Yeah. Uh, again, I think it's wise to measure extraction. Um, if I feel like uh, maybe darker roasts would prefer slightly lower temperatures. Mm. 
and also longer shots would prefer slightly lower temperatures. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's something to experiment with, and I'm not sure that there is such a huge difference between 92 and 93, you know? No. So for me, the most important part is that it is consistent yeah. and uh, consistent over time. So for instance, when we test our espresso in our lab, our temperature is normally set between 93 and 94. And that means uh, we will select roasts and uh, mm. coffees that taste good at that temperature with the ratios that we're using, which is normally 20 grams in a 20 gram filter and around 40 grams out. Yeah, which we, I think we didn't even mention in the last episode. No, no. but that's, <laughs> a, that's a normal ratio we're using. And yeah. of course, that's also because of that, the ratio we recommend for our customers. Yeah, and the ratio, when you're thinking about how much grams should be, you put in, it's quite simple. Take a look at your VST filter Yeah, and use that. <laughs> Those. Yeah, don't use more no. normally. Yeah, at least like. Yeah, sometimes you need to go down a gram, or if you have, you can tell that the coffee is it. it just has more volume. Yeah. Even though it's the same weight, yeah. it can be more volume. But um, usually, if you have too much coffee or or way too little coffee for that uh, filter basket, yeah. yeah, you won't be able to extract enough. No. Yeah. I think uh, testing brewing water temperature is difficult because it also affects the drinking temperature. Mm. And um, so it's really, really difficult to say which is correct or not. We know from literature that, you know, 92 to 96 is the kind of recommended brew water temperatures. But uh, I feel like as long as you're able to extract well yeah. and the coffee is not burning hot, uh, mm. you know, then it's, it's going to be okay. Uh, and again, I'm not so sure that, you know, the difference in one degree is, has that much to say. The most important part is that it's the same every time you brew, and that's up yeah. to the machine. So and same if you have several groups, make sure they're, they're the same on every group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Back in the days, I had a heat exchange machine, like an old Faema, and uh, you know the temperature would go up and down depending on how much I used it, how much I flushed, flushed yeah. and so on. So we learned how to temperature surf from David Schomer, Mm. which is a fundamental espresso book that I recommend everyone to read. It's kind of the old school way of making espresso, mm. but it's a great way of learning how to kind of isolate each and every factor that affects the, the quality. And of course, there's a lot of good knowledge in there. So he's kind of my, the biggest espresso guru that I've been following for many years. Yeah. Of course, now we have progressed in a different way than he is, um, or he has, but you know, that doesn't matter. Okay, puck prep, we touched on that as well with the mm. dose. So explain to us, uh, Anders, how, how, how do we actually do the puck prep in our bar? Yeah, so with us, we always, we use uh, scales, which is important because you want to have the same dose every time. And um, 20 grams should be 20 grams, not 20.5 or 19.8. Yeah. 20 grams, it's, it's easy and it takes, after a few hours doing that, like just weighing up and removing or adding a bit of coffee, you get really good and you can kind of, you can feel how much you need to take off. Yeah. Quite A lot of people easily. have like a little container with some grounds and a spoon in so they can take off from the yeah. port filter or add a little bit. Yeah. That if can you work use as your well. finger or your spoon, like doesn't matter, you just find your way and make everybody do the same. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of the first and most uh, like important 
part that just get your dose, right? Yeah. And then it's important while we're grinding, we're not having the, the holder for the porta filter on the grinder. So we yeah. can move the porta filter around a little bit just to distribute as we're grinding. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have this, you can just give it a little shake or you can uh, knock it a bit on the side. Yeah, tapping. Or, yeah, tap on the side, but before you uh, tap. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's important. Uh, Matt Perger has uh, some videos out on distribution. and I mean, we could probably just make an episode just on distribution and what is correct and what is not. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of distribution tools out there and everything that promises, you know, uh, whatever, but um, I, I feel like when I've t been testing them, they haven't really increased my extraction a lot. No. And uh, I think, you know, ha making sure that the, the filter basket is filled evenly during mm. grinding, yeah. and also making sure you have the same amount every time is, is so crucial. Yeah. And then uh, tamping straight, of course. Yeah, so, so of course you can have tools for that. We use uh, Tampture yeah. um, from... Uh, Pullman, yeah, or you could use uh, your eyes, yeah, <laughs> or you could. But the, in a high volume bar, you want to do everything so it's it's easy to be consistent. Yeah, uh, if you're doing it at home, you don't need to have all these systems, but you need to pay attention to how you're actually tamping. Uh, most people I see is tamping a bit off, so yeah. a bit diagonally, a little bit unlevel. Yes. Yeah, and uh, you won't be able to see it when you're standing because you're right above the the portafilter. Yeah. So if you just let, let go of the tamper, lean down and take a look at the, at the tamper, how it's standing, you can most likely it'll be slightly off to one of the sides. Yeah. And that'll affect the, the extraction quite a bit. Yeah, it does. And like uh, in terms of puck prep, of course, it, it should look even. Yeah. If it's you know, terribly uneven, a distribution tool might be a good idea. Yeah. But uh, most of them will just you know, touch mostly on the surface. Yeah, it's mainly on the top. Yeah. And I know Matt Perger has uh, played around with, uh, what's it called, the hog or something, like nails going all the way through. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, people are testing these things. But to me, it's uh, the, the most easy way is usually the best way and uh, something that's easy and that's uh, consistent. Yeah, tapping is uh, quite so, easy. Yeah. I feel like, uh, uh, yeah, puck distribution is, or puck preparation is extremely important. The Probably yeah. the best way to do it is to grind the coffee into a container and then put it into the portafilter after yeah. shaking it a little bit or whatever. But you know, also if you're running a coffee shop and you're going to add all these kind of things that takes 30 seconds on each customer, yeah. you know, we're going to serve half the amount of customers in a day. Yeah. And uh, as a customer myself, one of the things that I hate is when I get into a coffee shop and it'll take, you know, 10 minutes to get a espresso. Yeah. And that's not why I order an espresso. I no. order an espresso to get it fast and to drink it fast and to get the hell out of that yeah. shop fast. Yeah. You want coffee. <laughs> so um, uh, it, it's really annoying to see, you know, it doesn't have to take a lot of time. No. Just make sure your puck is prepared well yeah. in a consistent manner that everyone else in your coffee shop can replicate as well. Yeah. And think, like, remember to think about the water is just going to go through the easiest way it can. Yeah. So. If there's less coffee on one side, that's the path it's going to choose. Yeah. So David Schomer calls it the path of least resistance. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. So it's, it shouldn't be too hard, and it, it does. Uh, it's nothing like it's not hard to understand. Just look at the coffee, and you know, pretty much where the water's going to go. Yeah. So make it even. 
Even is uh, important, and also when you tamp, it needs to be level. We did mm. test uh, the other day how hard you should tamp because when yeah. you read a, when you read a espresso book, it says like 15 kilos, and yeah. I always wondered like where did that number come from? Yeah, and nobody can answer that. Nobody knows. And then before I've been testing. Uh, I was at the barista course. They usually say, and, <laughs> yeah. and my, the teacher said 15. Kilos. The teacher says 15 yeah. kilos, but I, I tested uh, quite a while ago uh, just for fun. Yeah, uh, we had a little session. Yeah, we had a session, but uh, also a couple of years ago, I tested the, when mm. we started measuring extraction. Yeah, tested the effect on tamping. Like, if you tamp nothing at all, tamp a little bit, or tamp as hard as you can. Yeah, there was very, very little affection on the extraction. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, I saw you basically standing on the tamper. Yeah, with all of your body weight, and it was was it zero point two percent higher extraction or something marginally to just leaving the tamper on top of the coffee yeah so it doesn't really matter the pressure just no. get it straight tamp until it's kind of level mm. it level is the most important but tamp until it kind of stops like you don't yeah. have to waste too much energy on it and of course you can use uh, machines like puck press or whatever yeah but you know you still have to look at the tamping to make sure it's completely level yeah. You can screw it up with a puck press as well. Yeah, you can mount the puck press a bit, uh, on not level. Yeah, And also, it's really important that the tamper you're using is fitting your filter basket. Yes. So it's actually tamping all the way around the edge and not just on the center. Yeah. Because if you have untamped coffee on the sides, water's going to go <laughs> for the sure. easiest path through. That's also a thing we see a lot, that people have tampers that are a little bit too small. Yeah, and often they have conical tampers yeah. and a bit too small. And that leads to channeling on the sides and in the middle, usually. Yes. So, so. level straight tamping yeah. with level straight tampers that fits the that whole fit filter. The basket. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, okay, so now we've made espresso. How long should the extraction time be? Usually in our bar with our recipe, we're about 25 to 33 seconds, maybe. And it will vary from coffee to coffee. It will vary depending From on the grinder. <laughs> grinder to grinder, like yeah. an EK, could be 20 seconds. Yeah. Uh, Rober, 30 seconds with the same coffee. Yeah. It depends on how well you will want to extract it. Yeah. It depends on the water temperature. It depends on the pressure. Humidity. It depends on the flow of the machine. Mm -hmm. It depends on so many things. Yeah. So there's no real answer to that. But we have a, just let's talk through our system. We have, uh, a rubber master conical three-phase grinder. Yep. We have a Lamar Soko PBX, which is set to about eight bars. That's where we have the peak. Uh, yeah, you think it's nine, but it's not because it reads nine on the or almost ten on I the. I think it reads ten. Yeah. On the the level, but if you actually measure it in the group, it's lower. Yeah. So I think it's 110 psi, which is between eight and nine bars. Mm. And I figured out number out just by adjusting the pressure, like we talked about in the last episode, yeah. slightly higher until I kind of reached peak extraction. Yeah. For that grinder, for that, for machine, that machine, for that filter, for that dose, yeah. and so on. We normally use uh, VST 20 gram filters, mm -hmm. ridgeless, and we have 20 grams coffee in and around 38 out. And yeah. the reason why we do quite short shots is because I'm old school. <laughs> <laughs> I like these kind of textural espressos. Yeah, it's quite and thick and like almost oily. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice mouthfeel. 
But we do quite light rows, so that means we need to have a little bit longer extraction times. Yeah. Uh, so 30 seconds is not uncommon. And I would just have to say, time is not so important. No, you need to figure out where kind of... Uh, we use time on a day-to-day -day basis, but that's based on... We know that the extraction is best. Yeah. At a certain... If you do 22% extractions, you know how long that's going to take yeah. with your setup. Yeah. But it's not the same on every setup and you wouldn't know before you measure. No, and ideally it would take much less time. Like, yeah. uh, I would prefer to do less time. And that's something that's actually come up uh, in very recent research. Uh, there's a research report by Christopher Hendon and some others who, suggest, who are suggesting that uh, to make the most consistent espresso, it's better to have 15 grams of coffee mm. uh, and extraction times that is less than 20 seconds. Yeah. Now we have to uh, think about knowing what we have been talking about in our podcast. That's with their setup. Yeah. They were using an EK grinder, EK43, Malkönig. Uh, they were using a certain machine. I think the pressure was set to nine bars and so on. Filter baskets. The filter baskets will have an influence. The coffee that they use will have an influence. Everything yeah. will have an influence. So maybe that they found it to be uh, in that way, but that might not mean that it works for everyone. And also, no. it might not give you what you want. Yeah. Um, so there is more ways to roam here than, uh, <laughs> or it's like with filter coffee. If you give the same coffee to 30 participants in an AeroPress competition, mm. they're all going to brew differently. Yeah. The coffees are all going to taste very differently. And uh, the one who wins is the one that the three judges on stage preferred. Yeah. It doesn't mean I was the best coffee. No. And you also see customers that have coffee from several roasteries, our espresso recipe isn't necessarily the best for their for other roasteries coffees no, for sure so um, but of course you want to drink our coffee yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but um you know it's interesting research and i will definitely try it out to see you know if, is there because this is what they used to be recommended many 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 yeah. years ago so maybe they reinvented espresso james hoffman the famous james hoffman um, just made a video on it on youtube that I think you should watch. It's quite interesting. All right, let's talk about serving because uh, this really annoys me yeah. uh, a lot <laughs> when I'm, uh, and I think it really ruins the drinking experience yeah. uh, more more often than not when I order espresso. Yeah, because the standard is you have a tiny cup on top of a really warm machine, yeah, and uh, you, they fill that cup to the brim, and then you won't be able to drink that espresso. No. For a long time, or it'll be super warm when you drink it. Yeah, which is also part of the reason why we didn't do takeaway espressos before, mm. because it just didn't taste good. Yeah. And then I realized, you know, the reason why it doesn't taste good is because it's too hot, Yeah. and the paper cup doesn't steal any heat, so it takes too long for it to cool down, you know. Um, the tradition in Italy, and as beautiful as it is, is to serve espresso in these small demitas. Yeah, uh, espresso cups, and uh, the further far, further south you go, the hotter the cups. Yeah, they're normally <laughs> in a water bath that is boiling water. Yeah, um, and then you get like a tiny little shot with a lot of crema because the cups is you know small, 
And the first couple of sips, you're just gonna get the foamy crema, which, you know, for people like my dad, he loves that. Mm. Uh, I think it's terrible. It tastes bitter and. Yeah, it's not just very gas nice. mainly. So. Yeah. Mm. So I'm not so hung up on the crema. Um, but then the, the liquid underneath is way too hot. Yeah. And just like with filter coffee, uh, you taste less uh, mm. when it's boiling hot. Yeah. Which might be a good thing if the espresso is bad. Yeah, <laughs> then you want to be done with it as quick as possible. Yes, but if you're doing like lighter roast like we are, normally the espresso then will taste a little watery and a little sour. Mm. But as it cools down, you start to get the sweetness, the fruitiness, the floral yeah. notes. The balance discs, yeah. So what, what's your favorite drinking temperature, you think? Well, almost as cold as uh, possible, usually. I usually go to the bar, we have the cups on the side. We have big ceramic cups that, that's heavy. And so they're not on top of the machine? They're not on top of the machine, no. and they're cold. So they steal a lot of heat right away. So I would say like when it's lukewarm for me is when it's like the sweetest. Yeah. And um, usually when I'm out calibrating, if they only have these small espresso cups, I steal some of the bigger cups, I flush them in cold water and then I pour the coffee back yeah. and forward a few times just to be able to taste it. Yeah. And when people are calibrating in the morning, if they're using these tiny cups and trying to calibrate, and they're tasting from these tiny cups where it's super hot, it's really hard to know yeah, it is. if you've extracted well or not yeah. and where you should be because you're not really tasting the coffee, you're just tasting... Well, yeah, it tastes really strange, yeah. off, off balance I would say. So uh, I, I completely agree with you. I think you know the closer to my body temperature, the better. Mm. I kind of prefer it's you know, slightly lukewarm, so yeah. probably between 40 and 50 degrees somewhere. That's where I feel at least the lighter rolls are tasting really sweet and, yeah. and, and clean. And uh, Stirring the espresso is a good thing. Uh, we have very big cups, so we can just swirl because uh, that helps. But if you yeah. have a tiny little cup, it doesn't really help to swirl. No, you need to... So you need to kind of mix it up because you, you know when you make espresso, the, the first part is really thick, it goes yeah. to the bottom and the last part is just water and mm. kind of doesn't stay on top, but it doesn't mix well. Doesn't no. And you'll be able to taste that. Yes. If you for just sure. let it stand and then taste it without stirring or swirling. So uh, yeah, we recommend bigger cups. It's, mm. It gives you a better drinking experience. You can actually put your nose in the cup and smell yeah. it. Um, I'm sure you can see on uh, some of our espresso videos that are on YouTube, which yeah. kind of cups we, we have actually handmade cups that are actually bigger than our normal coffee cups. Yeah. And um, just find something that you're comfortable drinking from and, and make sure it, it steals a little bit of heat from the liquid. Mm. So it cools down the espresso a little bit faster and then keep the heat yeah. you know, until you're done with it. Um, also, it really depends, like if you have extremely long shots, it's going to be extremely hot because the yeah. brewing water temperature in an espresso machine is quite hot. Yeah. And there's not a lot of steel and metal and coffee that can take away that temperature. So it's going to be hotter than, for instance, if you make a V60. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, try to experiment with a little cooler drinking temperature. I highly recommend that, especially with mm. higher acidity coffees. And yeah, makes such a difference. Yeah. Sugar in espresso? Not for me, if it's prepared well. Yeah. If I put sugar in, it's usually because uh, the coffee is bitter. Yeah. So if I'm traveling further south in Europe then, and I order espresso, usually I put some sugar in. Yeah. But uh, that's usually just to mask any bitterness and so on. 
And if you put sugar in, I would put in maybe just white sugar instead of some sugar that has a lot of flavor, a flavor to it. Yeah. So brown sugar to me is not. People seem to like brown sugar because they have this. They imagine it's, uh, it's more, more natural organic. or <laughs> organic or. Yeah. But it's it's just adding more flavor. Yeah. And I want to taste the coffee. Usually, if it's a good coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can actually uh, have a little bit of sugar in even good espresso, especially mm. if, if it's very fruity espressos, like from Ethiopia or Kenya. Yeah. You can really bring out even more of that fruit. But I, I personally prefer without yeah. in most cases. But I, sometimes, you know, there's nothing wrong with putting a little bit of sugar in it. At, especially in Italy, when I was there kind of researching espresso, we went to a place where they were kind of quality controlling espresso. Yeah. And they had two shots. They had one with sugar and one without. Yeah. Because, you know, most Italians drink with sugar. Yeah. So, uh, and they also said like, it, it really tones down the roasty bitterness and then you kind of get a little bit more of the coffee flavor out. Yeah. Of course you get sweetness as well. Uh, there was a couple of more things that I wanted to talk about. And one thing is, uh, is lighter roasts less extractable than darker roasts? No. Why not? Well, a light roast, some people say that you would get more caffeine, for instance, from a dark roast. And that's just, you can't roast away caffeine. So it stays and then you use more beans and that way you get more caffeine because you use more beans. But because also the coffee is lighter in weight. Because it's lighter in, in weight. You've yeah. roasted away uh, the solubles. Yeah, and water. <laughs> yeah, but in the light roast, you have more of those solubles. You haven't roasted away mm. anything. So, but then uh, again, the cell structure is harder. Yeah, it might be more difficult. But I hear this a lot that lighter roasts are harder to extract. Uh, but if you really think about it uh, theoretically, you need less beans mm. per shot yeah. to reach the same amount of grams because darker roast, a, a darker roasted bean is lighter than in weight than yeah. a light roast bean. Uh, which means you need to use more beans, you yeah. said. And that's probably why a lot of times when people make espresso, they think that it's more soluble because you get kind of higher extraction. Yeah. But you used a lot more beans to reach that extraction. Mm. So I would say both yes and no is the answer to that. Mm. Uh, it can be a little trickier to extract, but that's because you're using less beans yeah. per shot. So you probably need to, you need to work on your grinder yeah, but it's it's not necessarily harder. No, it's just that you need to do it differently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And of course, uh, you will get more acidity. Yeah. And if you're not uh, in control of your parameters and not measuring extraction, of course, it's going to be difficult to make a light roast taste great. Because yeah. if you're under extracting and making it sour, you know you're going to scratch your head. You don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. So I think the biggest tip uh, on how to improve your espresso would be to get a refractometer yeah. and start measuring extraction. Makes everything so much easier. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure there's plenty of videos on that uh, on YouTube. And we use the VST refractometers, mm. VST filters, and we actually do filter our espresso with syringe filters to measure them. Because yeah. we tried to do it without. Yeah. It was quite difficult to get a consistent result. Yeah, very inconsistent. And also, uh, we tried doing pushing different amounts through the filter, yeah. which also gave very different results. Yeah. So push the same amount through yeah. every time. We pushed through two milliliters. Yeah. And uh, no more, no less. And then you get consistent results. Yeah. 
So the extraction number itself is not so important. No. Like whether it's 21 or 22 percent. Uh, what really matters is the TDS, how strong it is, because if you prefer, you know, a slightly weaker espresso, you should aim for a lower TDS. Yeah. Doesn't mean you should aim for a lower extraction. No. And um, if you download uh, like a refractometer app and just play around with the numbers there and see how big a difference a few grams will make yeah. when you're brewing espresso. Yeah. Either change your dose or your yield and see how much a difference it makes. And then you actually understand that you're brewing a concentrated coffee and yeah. like you need to be in control of everything. Yeah. We haven't mentioned that, but uh, if you're struggling with not reaching a high enough extraction and you're trying to uh, you know, hack your grinder and adjust the pressure, mm. just adding a little bit more brew water yeah. might solve the problem because if you have more water, it's much easier to extract more. Yeah. If you don't have enough water, you know, you're kind of saturating the water a little bit, so it's difficult to extract enough. So, um, you know, I don't recommend doing like a 20 gram dose, dry dose, and then 30 grams out. It's going to be extremely difficult to extract enough. Yeah. That's hard. It's just not enough water. Yeah. You're gonna get really high TDS, but really low extraction. Yeah, strong yeah. sour shots, like we used to make in the old days. Mm. All right, Anders, I think uh, you know, we could sit here and talk about espresso for another hour, but we're not going to. No. We might do another episode later on, uh, if there's any questions or requests or whatever. Mm. Uh, but I feel like uh, we've touched on the kind of most basic stuff here at least. And uh, we do have a video on our YouTube channel where Stephanie, our bar manager, and myself are kind of dialing in espresso. Yeah. We also did a periscope many years ago, mm. uh, which is quite low quality, but it's still on YouTube where we talked about espresso, I think. Yeah, so we touched a lot of the same things. Yeah. Um, but on our website, if you go to timvanwood.no and learn, you'll see the espresso video and a step-by-step -step written guide. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Anish, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, we hope that uh, you like this episode. And uh, we are going to make a couple more podcasts very soon where we touch on some other stuff, uh, maybe some farming stuff and maybe some brewing stuff. So stay tuned for more episodes. Thanks for listening.